Hey, welcome to the Second Breakfast Podcast. This podcast is designed to serve more of God's Word to His people. I'm your host, Tyler Velasic. Joining me is Mike Griner, the pastor at Harvest Community Church in Pennsylvania. Each week, Mike brings a sermon based on 1 Timothy, but what he doesn't get to bring is all of the things which he learned that do not fit into that sermon. So we are here to go deeper into the portions of the Bible from that weekend's message. Since the Bible is food for our souls and the sermon is like a meal, this podcast is designed to be like a second meal, a second breakfast. All right, let's eat. Man. Welcome. How it. was your weekend? Um, my weekend was tiring. Yeah, but tiring. It was good. God is good. You know, we. I, I love going to church. Do you like going to church? It's a good time, man. It's good to see friends, see family. And I had both visiting uh, in a friend. My, I have my my cousin was here. And he was uh, helping us out and, and stayed over for the weekend and came to church. And I hadn't seen him in church with me for a while. So it was good. But you know what? Who really cares about that on this podcast? This is <laughs> Nobody cares. Seriously. That's right. Seriously. They don't want to hear about they, this. They may not really care that much. So let's jump right in. They hear about the deep intellectual. Well, then they the might want to try a better podcast <laughs> if they want deep and intellectual. But if they want to hear a discussion about first timothy that could be edifying or upbuilding because yeah. hey it's the bible by two uh let's say people average <laughs> uh-huh average regular dudes then they're in the right place and we're happy to have you guys join us for our podcast <laughs> yeah whoever's listening trust me we're happy you're there we're delighted you're there we're flattered you're there. thank you yeah we're somewhat amazed you're there so um i'm confused <laughs> yes and one of us is confused that you're there First Timothy 1, 12 to 17 is our text yes. for the weekend, and um, so we want to jump in there. And so, Tyler, did you want to read that? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, go for it. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, prosecutor, and an insolent opponent. Wait, a prosecutor? Persecutor. Yeah, because a prosecutor is like an attorney. Did I say that? You said prosecutor. Oh, man. I, was I in know the zone. you know I have that. my radio voice in. I know Did you know that. So he was a blasphemer and a persecutor. And a persecutor. I think a prosecutor is pretty rough. Yeah, he probably wasn't a prosecutor. He wasn't a lawyer. How bad do you want him to But he did know Jewish law. Jokes. He did. Okay, go okay, on. Okay, so. Um, he was a prosecutor and a. Insolent. A persecutor and, and a. Insolent opponent. You're still in verse 13, right? But, yes. yes, this is the second half of 13. Okay. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. All right. Um, I, th I think you... Uh... Did we stop there? I think I said 17. Did you did 17? Oh, sorry. So you got two more to go. Okay. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, so oh, it took a while to get there, man. I was, yeah, it was. I was, it was struggling. A, it was a long section. So, so this one, um, in the sermon, on this one, we went back and looked at 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 Saul's life, who is also Paul, Paul and Saul. No explanation is given in the scripture while Saul's name is changed to Paul, but most likely, well, I can't even say most likely. I think the best guess I've ever heard, it, which 
sounds reasonable. Is that Saul was a Jewish name and Paul a Roman name? And since he went out to visit Gentiles, it changed it. But um, we talked about his his uh, remarkable conversion, his remarkable, remarkable past, as we the talked about Damascus. way back in our first podcast, The Remote Road to, to Damascus. But before his conversion, I think the, the part that... That that Saul seems to Saul Paul seems to be amazed at is that he was chosen to work for God at all. Verse twelve, he says, "I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who is." Uh, I'm reading a New American Standard, even though you just read the English Standard Version. I forgive you. Thank you. They're both the Bible here. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though something I was formerly a blasphemer. He is saying, look, I was a bad candidate for this job. Yeah, he was a really bad candidate. He's a, he murdered Stephen. He was on his way to kill more members of the church and put them in prison, and he hated the church. He dragged men and women out of their homes. Yeah, he, was, he hated the church. He was a violent aggressor by his own confession. So you'd think if, if he was such a rotten guy. I mean, he's like the anti-Christian, right? Uh-huh. Not like the anti-Christian, right? Because that's Correct. a political term. I don't know if he's right or left in his politics, but he was the anti. He, he was really bad. So you'd think if you're going to give him a job in the church, you start low. Yeah. Like Maybe janitor. He, uh, there's nothing wrong with janitors. Well, I don't mean you're right. That that came out wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying low is it on the totem pole. I mean low is in risk. Yeah. Low risk job. Let him. Let him. Uh, let him cut set the up grass chairs, outside. cut the grass, something where if, if he gets really ticked off at you, the worst he can do is not clean, and not, cut, not the cut the grass. I mean, if you, you wouldn't have him run your Sunday school, right? You wouldn't put him over the children's ministry, would you? I mean, right, right. Because he could teach them all the wrong thing because he hates us all or, or yeah. throws in jail. But so so I'm expecting that when Jesus called him, he gave him a, a you know, what kind of a entry level job? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. So let's say like you're you're in church as a pastor, and a dude comes in and says, "Hey, what's up? I have spent the past five years of my life fighting with ISIS. I used to be all about them, but I Yesterday. decided that I'm a Christian now. When did you do that? Yeah, that was just a few days ago, actually. Uh, okay. Well, how about we make you the head of the church <laughs> you get you get to preach the sermons you in fact get to write a third of the, the new testament this is remarkable because paul actually became an apostle he joined the exclusive 12 who weren't open for membership mm-hmm. right the 12 apostles there's no evidence in the scripture that they said hey we're, we would like to add one more um and so he seems not qualified in fact uh, anti-qualified for this job. Um, he was a bad person. But that is why he seems excited about having the job. He said, I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. When we think of grace overflowing, how much grace has to overflow for Paul to be forgiven of his sins? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. When you think about quantifying how much God loves you, <laughs> how much does God love you? Oh, man. I, I know that you shouldn't really compare yourself, but to be honest, I got to say that I, I think that 
I was a better person than Paul was, you know, <laughs> than Saul was, I guess. You, see, you might have pride issues, but <laughs> no. But seriously, the um, from a from a resume standpoint, I agree with you. Uh, the the loving kindnesses of God never cease. But how much loving kindness is there in God? I mean, how do you if you had to measure the amount of love God has? Um, I mean, is that quantifiable? Quantifiable, the amount of love that he has? Well, he shows his love for us that while we were sinning sinning against him, Jesus died for us. I mean, that's not really a number. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, he loves us 11. Um, That's like Spinal Tap, you mean? I guess so, yeah. Did you see Spinal Mm -hmm. Tap? Uh, no. You didn't I'm see Spinal Tap? I, I know the reference. I mean. Well, that's good. You're not completely culturally in the dark. You're supposed to know these things. Culturally. I know them. I, I know them. I, I read the Wikipedia page and I got up to date on what I need Dude, to know. You're it. so modern. I can't keep up with you. So, okay. I, I kind of, do you mind if, do you mind if I could take issue with this passage for a second? Sure. I'm going to set my question aside. I kind, and I kind of ready for you. Okay. So I kind of have a little bit of a, like a little bit of a quarrel with this one. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is me telling the Bible why it's wrong. So, so you right? already realize if you're doing that, you are wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so I we're going to try to figure out together where you are troubled and why it's a mistake. Okay. The Bible's always right. Well, so maybe not exactly a mistake. It's kind of just a question that I have. Yes. Because, Okay. It, it might just be a wording issue, but Paul says he received mercy, and the way that the English Standard Version translates it is, I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and in unbelief. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, okay, does this mean that mercy is exclusively offered to people who don't know that they're doing wrong? Because that's what it sounds like. He says, because I was ignorant, as if to say... But you, who know what you're doing, won't be forgiven. Yes, I hear how you're saying it, and I, I think that's just a translation uh, issue. I think it's a little; it can be a little challenging to to translate this and and figure out what he's saying. So let's let's take what we know about Paul. Does Paul say anywhere that that ignorance is an excuse for sin? The Bible test. Um, what comes to mind is he says, should we go on, continue sinning so that grace may abound? Am I in the right area? No. The closest I would come up with is <laughs> is where uh, at Mars Hill, which we referenced last podcast, he says that God set the boundaries and habitations of nations so man would grope for him and stuff like that. And then he says, in times past, God overlooked your ignorance, but now God calls every man, everyone everywhere to repent. He seems to reference ignorance as something that God overlooked before Christ came. But now that Christ has come, no more. You need to repent and follow Christ. Well, he acted in ignorance after Christ came. So it can't be that clause. I, I think it, here's how I, what I, what I do with that. What I can see it saying is, I receive mercy for what reason? In, in verse 16, look in verse 16, and I'll ask you the question. You tell me, okay. what was the reason given there why he received mercy? 
that in me, as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience. Yeah, so he didn't say I received it because I was ignorant. Mm-hmm. So God had to show patience for his sin. I, I think when he sinned in ignorance, was he piling up? wrath and anger and judgment in heaven i think not i think he was you think he was oh man yeah i know i bet i'm wrong tell me why i'm wrong i'm not saying it's not that simple i want i'm just thinking this through let me ask it another way maybe it's way i asked it okay let's say um uh robin hood and his merry men are out hunting and this day they don't want to steal they're just hunting all right but they accidentally go into the king's forest. And though they don't know it, they begin to kill the king's deer. And each one does well. So there's, say, 20 of them, and they steal 20 of the king's deer in ignorance. Do you think the king says, well, they're ignorant, so it doesn't matter? Or are there 20 counts of poaching against them? Yeah, the king probably doesn't care that they're ignorant. Yes, 20 counts of poaching will come their way because they did it. Um, they did the wrong thing. Now, that kind of breaks down. I just thought of that illustration because <laughs> wow. you might say their hearts were pure, whereas Paul's heart is not pure. He says right out there, I'm a blasphemer. Um, I'm insolent. I'm an insolent opponent. Um, so he knew. He, he. But the point was the that I think does work is those men in my imaginary illustration, were piling up guilt for themselves. So when they met the king, their great need would be for mercy. Because in ignorance, they were piling up guilt. I see. Okay. Now, I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. (laughs) Could be in English. It sounds like the because is I received mercy because I earned it through being ignorant. ignorant. Yes. But that's nonsensical. He didn't earn mercy because of his ignorance and his unbelief. Rather, because he was acting ignorantly and in unbelief, and unbelief is itself a crime in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Whatever's not of faith is of sin. It doesn't make sense to say, I acted ignorantly in sin, which unbelief is, therefore I earn mercy. Because I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in sin, in unbelief. But it might make sense to say because I was acting ignorantly in unbelief, I needed mercy and I got it. Okay. Okay. And, and so I like think that's what he's saying. Okay. I'm glad you asked that though because I think that question is very common. Many people have it in reading this. That's one of the great difficulties of, of translation into another language. It doesn't. The meaning is is captured, but sometimes the orders of words aren't always the way we would phrase them in an original language. And mm-hmm. and secondly, Paul himself is open to this because he writes long sentences with many oh, yeah. with many ideas, many prepositional phrases. He's he's hard to understand. Like as somebody who's grown up in the church and has grown up reading the Bible, like speaking the Bible as a second language, 
I have no idea what Paul is talking about 90% Sometimes. of the time. <laughs> a lot of the time. I, I, have to, I have to read him a lot. Maybe I'm particularly dense, but well, it takes it takes me a long time. Well, you're in good company, right? Well, good. Yeah, I think everybody else is lost. Well, I wasn't even thinking of everybody else. You know, I was thinking of the Apostle Peter. Oh, really? Okay. Did you know he said the same thing? Okay. You Where at? Say, are you going to say yes or is okay mean no? I didn't know Okay, that. Okay means that, you know, I probably have heard and that And maybe before. you remembered it, but you don't you know, remember you where know the, you uh, remembered it. You know the J.R. Tolkien quote, not all those who wander are lost? But yes. I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let me read to you from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and following. It says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our Beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks to them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So, uh, you therefore, beloved, take care not to be carried away with error of lawless people. So he's he's actually saying, first. Peter's saying that what Paul already wrote is scripture, which is fascinating. But but more to your point, he's saying that some of the things Paul wrote are hard to understand. Peter's saying this. Amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> and now he doesn't say because they're hard that you shouldn't be under, seek to understand them or be careful. He's saying be, He says take care that you're not carried away into error. Some people who aren't careful, ignorant and unstable, twist them. Very interesting that yeah. you are likely to twist the scripture if your motives are wrong, right? It's better to say on a confusing text, I don't know. I just don't know. But God, would you show me and seek to understand then to kind of ignorantly and unstably <laughs> handle it um, and twist them to your own destruction. So Peter's with you. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Thank you, Peter. That's pretty good company, right? I have some validation right you there. You must feel better. Um, so I, I do feel a little, I feel a little bit better. And I think like it's another, another problem that is common to reading the Bible that I've certainly had more than once, more than just in this time. But I feel like it's just taking one verse and focusing in like it, getting out the magnifying glass and focusing in just on that one verse, because he says, he says right there in the one that I was concerned about, it was because I acted ignorantly. But like you said, in verse 16, he gives the real reason that he was given grace and mercy. Yeah. And he actually uses the same language. Um, if you look at the end of verse 13, he says, but I receive mercy because, okay. and then verse 16, he says, but I receive mercy for this, for this reason. reason. It's the same phraseology there. So he's, he's saying, I receive mercy in both cases. So they, they're going to have to sit together well that Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe. How is that a, as an example? Um, well, he says in verse 15, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the foremost. I'm the, the, uh, the prototype. I am first. I'm first place sinner. So he's the worst of sinners. So he's not getting off the hook because he was ignorant. He's, he's getting off the hook because of, Mercy, and look at verse 14. It says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Right? Right. So, you know, what what is that? Does that bring any pictures, physical pictures to your mind? If you had to describe to people what that 
to children what that would look like grace overflowing how do you think you could do that hmm. i mean i would start off with an empty cup and i would i would begin filling water into into that cup until it was overflowing and i i you know he has he had so the picture is that he has grace that is sufficient for his immense immense amount of sin that's a great picture and that would work i i don't know you know, grown-ups won't put up with that. Because in grown-up church, maybe I should do that. I should bring in a cup to church and get some... Get everybody wet. No. <laughs> Just start pouring into it slowly. Something red, too, that stains, because mm. that'll get their attention. Oh, and keep talking and act like I don't realize what I'm doing and just let it flow all over, 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 and just keep doing it. And people start saying... I can see it now. Hey, knock that off. You're making a mess. And I'll just keep pouring. <laughs> And then when it empties, you could jump up, give me another pitcher filled with the red stuff, and I'll just keep pouring and pouring. And then someone gives me another, you can give me another pitcher. <laughs> and I'll, we just keep doing this till people say, these people are crazy. And then they say, why are you doing that? We're trying to give you a picture of grace that overflows. Overflow. Now, do you think that's overdoing it? Uh, in this illustration. Of... I mean, how much, this was my original question, and somehow we ended up there again, and I thank you for getting me back there. I don't know if you did it on purpose. But the original language that he's, he's giving us is, is that mercy overflowed for me. And I was, I was asking, how can you quantify the love mm. of God? How, how, can you, how much love does God have for you and me? Um, now, I, I kind of have an answer. I asked a question that I knew the answer to a little bit. A little bit. And so I want you to look up the answer and read it for us all. Ready? Look at Psalm 103. All right. If you don't mind. Let's hear those pages turning. Yes, Psalm 103. You're not even doing it electronically. I got, Dude, I got the you real are thing. so old school. Old school. You're retro, man. Is, yeah. retro, is that the right use of that word? Retro. Yeah, not we'll let really. you pass on this time. Okay, it was like kind of square. That's right? a 90s That's a 90s square word. Square is probably not a word you use either. More. Okay, yeah. you're in Psalm 103. It's so old. 103. Man, this is such a good song. What is, what is the 103? How about read verse 10 just to get us started? Okay. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Man, what does that verse mean? Hmm. Just off the top of your head there, it's pretty plain. Okay, so it means that you definitely have sinned. But, but that's okay. That's not. It what doesn't God say it's okay. Well, he never says okay. sin's okay. But he says, <laughs> he says that's not how you deal with us. According to the deal sins that you've done. If he deal with me, mm-hmm. let's take me instead of you. According to my okay. sin, what would happen to me? Well, you would be judged and in hell. Yeah, toast. He'd squish me like a bug, throw me yeah. into hell, whatever. And and that's not good, right? That that's bad. So I want him to judge me according to his loving kindness. And that's even in Psalm 51. You'll ask, he will see that he wants that. How much love is that? Look, read verse 11. Verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Now, modern uh, measurements through uh, funky, cool telescopes. I don't know any scientific words for them. Funky Cole actually is is the scientific, scientific term for yeah good, yeah for the yeah Hubble. it was named it was actually named after the scientist who invented it <laughs> Hubble was <laughs> actually a Funky Cole dude Stephen Funky Cole <laughs> Hubble yeah <laughs> he 
He's like, play that funky music. And he was, um, and while while being funky, he uh, invented a cool telescope. And I have no idea. I, I sat through science class, can't remember these details. But I remember them teaching me that the moon was a long way away. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty basic lesson. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, how far away is the moon? Oh, man. Uh, I'm about to tell you. Let's see. All right. Do you want to guess? Do I want to guess? Yeah, do it. Uh, 800,000 miles. Wow. It's not that far. <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 238,900 miles. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a around. But, like, California is only, what, a couple thousand miles from here? 3,000. So, so you're yeah. talking about 100, over 100 times farther mm-hmm. than California from yeah. here. Right. We're in Pennsylvania. Okay. So is that how far? So between for two hundred thirty-eight thousand nine hundred miles at least, you could fill that with love. That's how much love God has for you. Mm-hmm. But that's just the moon. That's just the moon. So how far? So he says to the heavens. What are the heavens? Well, let's go to the sun because the heavens are first seen when you can see stars. Oh, I think it, isn't this one like ninety-eight million? You're miles. closer. Now you're leaving the ballpark. It's 92.96 million miles, uh, which is a number I can't even begin to fathom. Yeah. I mean, I I have trouble imagining the moon, 200 and whatever, 80,000 miles or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But how far from 290, 92 million miles. I mean, right now I was watching this show, not watching. It was on in a room I was in. Um, not that I wouldn't watch it, but I just didn't. It's probably been good for me because it was like National Geographic's crud, and it was. And the guy, the scientists were saying we can't wait to have a footprint on Mars, meaning we want to see a man on Mars. And they're talking about how long it would take us to get a man to Mars. Mars isn't oh, even a, that far. But yeah. how far is the nearest star that's not the Earth? Oh, it's pro. Uh, Proxima Centauri. What is, is that the name? The, <laughs> it, um, the closest star is, and you are right. Boy, you're smart. Hey, I knew that, man. I How'd you know that, man? Proxima Centauri. Watching Jeopardy. Very good. Faithfully. Well, they can't measure it in normal ways, so I have no idea how far this is. It is about four point two four light years. Wow. Which doesn't seem that far because we're down. We as close as we could get. Yeah, but how far is a light year? Well, a light year actually is, um, it's not a measure of distance, right? It's a measure of how long it takes light, light to go in a year. To travel. And and so that, I don't know how far that is. The answer, uh, very far, is as scientific as I get. Um, light <laughs> travels... Was it 5.874 times 10 to the 12th miles? Um, written out, that's 5, 878, 9499, 810, 000 miles. So that's like a number I don't even know. That's like past the thousands, past the millions, past the billions. I guess it's trillions. 5 trillion, 878 billion miles to the closest star yeah and then that's the closest star how many stars are there 
They're endless stars. And all of them are farther away than the yeah, sun. Yeah, that's the closest that. one. So how many are there? That's the closest one. You're asking me how many stars. Okay, yes. I knew the well, name you, of the closest you had the star. the Proxima thing. I, I knew the name of that one. Wasn't that enough for you? You know the answer is we don't know. I, the, but the yeah. best guess is over 100 billion. 100 billion. But nobody really knows. Yeah. So they're farther and farther away. That's just amazing to think about, man. The, the, that is amazing. If, if that you, we, yes. That that we live in such a such a hugely infinite galaxy. Okay, I like agree with you. Never, yeah, you know, we'll never explore all of that. So read verse eleven again. Verse eleven, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear Him. Is that not incredible? That's that's crazy. So you see. You're not saved ever because of you weren't that bad. It's always because of this incredible amount of love that God has for us. Look, read verse 12. You're going to like this. You're going to recognize these verses. 12, Go ahead. Yeah. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So how far is that? <laughs> you start heading east and... So you're going to always head east. I know. It's as far as far can be, literally. Read verse 13. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Okay, so you're getting the point, right? I when, do. <laughs> when, so all that, I mean, it's hard. Seriously, can the imagination even begin to fathom the truths of the Bible? Let's say no. Well, maybe begin. Begin to. But... How much? So when Paul when Paul says says I received mercy for this reason, he also says I received um, where was that language? What's the language I'm looking for? Overflowed, the grace of our Lord, verse fourteen, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Well, how much love is in Christ Jesus? All that. It would fill space, and that overflowed for him. So we look at how rotten he was. Now he's the first sinner. But compared to the amount of love God has, his sin didn't stand a chance at getting him to hell. Nothing. It's nothing. Same is true for you and me and anyone listening. If right now they're feeling condemned, if you're feeling condemned right now, but you have faith in Christ because you think your sin is awful. I want you to know your sin may be awful. Let's assume it is. But God's love is so much greater. So much greater. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? I am. I am. Yeah, and it's it's really cool wording that that Paul uses because I'm I'm thinking of this like on a timeline, mm -hmm. and he says that. He thanks Christ Jesus because he judged me faithful. And uh, so when I'm thinking about this, when exactly does God judge him faithful? Well, it was in the past. And in the past, Paul, Saul, was persecuting the church, and he was a blasphemer, an insolent opponent. So, like, to me, I'm thinking, when exactly did he judge him faithful? Because he wasn't performing acts of faith and acts of love. That's a great question. And, again, it's a language issue. He did not judge him faithful meaning being good and therefore decided to make him an apostle. He, right. He's the worst of sinners. So what that means is he entrusted him. Yeah. Which, as if he was faithful. Yeah, which I, which I think is a little bit different. I, I, I mean, 
what I think that means, that him judging him faithful, is to show that God had chosen him from the beginning of time. That's when he judged him faithful. Okay. Okay, if I agree with, with God's ability to be above time, but I, I think, and I reckon I'm pretty darn certain, that the use of that language there in First Timothy isn't saying, you were faithful so I let you have the job. Yeah. I think he's saying, I trusted you with this job. Yes, definitely. All right? It's it's a little different. It's it's a big deal to be trusted with something. I remember when I moved in with my uncle when I was just 18 years old, and aunt, they trusted me with their car, which is no big deal. When you're 18, you know, not a lot of people trust you with a car. I had a beater. And it was broke, and they had a halfway decent car, an extra car. Well, they had two cars. It wasn't an extra. They let me drive it any time they wanted. I felt, wow, this is pretty good. They trusted me with their car. I better take good care of it. I wrecked it, but, hey, <laughs> I paid to fix it. Um, oh, you know, if somebody trusts you with their house, trusts you with their stuff, um, Paul's saying, this is why I thank God. Yeah. Because he found me faithful Though I'm not faithful. Yeah. It's a big He trusted me with something I can't be trusted with. And it's because of his tremendous love. He actually had to transform Paul. I mean, the whole that's not the whole story. Part of the story is he he made Paul into the worker he wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. He made him he changed his heart. We can yeah. never get away from the fact that coming to Christ means conversion. A real change. It's not something really has to change inside a person. They are Born again, as Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We are First Corinthians, Second Corinthians seven, Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away; the new has come. Colossians: You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Real change has to happen. So he took this really bad guy, boom, smashed his old heart of stone on the cross. Gave him new life. And he's done the same for you, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may not look it. From the outside, you just look like, oh, there's the timer. I do. the timer. But God's love surrounds you. Hey, listen, before we end, I want to point us to John 3, 34. Um, because we see something else there without measure. Let me read it to you. It says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God. That's Jesus. For he gives the Spirit without measure. Now we just saw Paul talking about the mercy he received that was overflowing. We, we look back at the psalm and saw that God's love for us is, is higher than the heavens. Um, there's a lot of abundance kind of talk when it comes to God. and You know, it's, it's really cool. It's gracious. But the Spirit of God Himself was given to the Son without measure. Again, overflowing, the picture of without measure. If something is given in quantity without measure, what does that mean? <laughs> it can't be measured. <laughs> it can't be measured or, and, or, put a slash in there, the person giving it is not putting any regulator on it. He's, yeah. not, he's not cutting off the amount. Mm-hmm. It's fullness. Now, the Holy Spirit is given without measure to the Son. But then the Son, for when He leaves, He says, I'll give you the Spirit too. 
And and that's a good a good way to end, to remind you that that the love of God comes in the person of God being poured out in your heart. Uh, and without measure. It, all, you, Tyler, me, Mike, it sounds like Tarzan talk, <laughs> and you people listening at home, you people, you know, you like that phrase, um, or wherever you're listening, we all need the Holy Spirit of the living God in us. And we can receive him without measure also because we get him from the Son. Um, he will give him to us freely if we ask. He gives us the love we need. He gives us the forgiveness of sins we need. And, he, and then he, just like Paul, takes people who weren't qualified for the job and he puts us to work in the kingdom also. Now, I'm not an apostle and you're not either. And no one listening is either unless they're listening in heaven, in which case... I ask your apology to you 13 guys. But no one's listening is, gets that job, and it still doesn't mean you haven't been put to work by your Heavenly Father. And it's a job none of us should feel like we get credit for, but we should all thank God. Thank you, God, that you that you saw me as as faithful and allowing me to work for you. Any final thoughts from you? Yeah, well, <laughs> any final thoughts? I think that, yeah, that definitely should make you grateful that, before you were faithful, God said, hey, it's okay. You are faithful. I judge you as faithful. And then it's not by your, it's not by anything that you do that you become faithful. It's He's the one who does the good work in you that makes you faithful. Yeah, he trusts you, Tyler. And, and think of specifically in your own life. Have you ever, how many people trust you with a lot of things? Probably some people trust you with some things. Many people don't trust you with anything because that's the normal experience. Yeah. Right? Sure. A lot of people just don't. You're not going to. But God looks at you and says, I trust you, son. And he gives you a life to steward, ministries to do, things, people to look out for, love to give, serve. And, and it's a trust. It, it's not something you're building or earning. He, he says, I'm trusting you with this. And it's really a great compliment to us. It's a great honor. Oh, yeah. It's an honor to serve him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as I quoted in the sermon, it's worth quoting one more time. If... It's an honor to serve an earthly king. How can we call it a sacrifice to serve a heavenly one? It really isn't. It's an honor to give. All right. Well, that said, we're at the end. We do have an email address if you have any questions or comments that we want to interact with. Um, we're going to tell you a little secret. We didn't let this uh, podcast go public till we had recorded uh, five episodes, and this is the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. So we've been putting out the word for emails and whatnot, but really we haven't been able to listen, read them yet. In fact, this will be That's the correct. beginning of reading them. Um, so if you heard the first one and sent one, we'll start interacting then. But you can now too because we have an email address. Yes, we do. That email address is mt second breakfast. M is in Mike. T is in Tyler. Just so they hear it right. Yes. Okay. Mt second breakfast at gmail dot com. Yeah. And if you can't, if they can't spell second breakfast, too bad, right? Look it up. Eat some breakfast. Eat some breakfast. You go, ha- to, go to McDonald's. Yeah, you, you can spell this. You're just hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't learn if you're hungry. So yeah. Also, you can check out our other sermons. The at, at harvestpa.org. Harvestpa.org. They're all there. Click around till you find them. Come visit us sometime. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. information about how to get to the churches. So come visit us. Yeah, we have four campuses or Camp I. We actually also uh, hold a service uh, kind of in the, in, the, in the county jail. Mm-hmm. Try not to go to that service. It's an exclusive membership. Yeah, you really don't want to do what it takes to get in. 
But if you're but at it's that, really cool that they're we're hey God loves those people as much as you and me, and uh, by the grace of God, could be me one day, and then I'll be happy someone comes to visit me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have four four different campi campuses, uh-huh. campus meeting Camp places. I, yeah. So you may come out, but anyway, that I don't know. We weren't supposed to be inviting them. Well, I mean, we can't invite them, but we're supposed to just close out with a blessing. Well, let's get to blessing. Then. Okay, then. sprinkle blessings. Now, uh, may the God who created stars so far away and loves you more than that distance bless you and make his face to shine upon you. That's it. Let's get out of here. Amen. <laughs>